Rahmani. Osimen working the channel. Osimen. He's got a wonderful goal. He's caught everyone off guard there, Consigni included. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Serie A Spotlight. This is Season 2, Episode 26 and we're your hosts Matt and Jake here to discuss another reshuffle in the fight for Europe as Napoli continue their perfect road to Serie A glory. So far so good for Napoli, yeah? pretty much flawless, one loss in the league so far and that came against Inter. Yeah, and they pretty much haven't dropped points since that. Yeah, it's going very well for them even in the Champions League might I add and we saw some Gvaradona excellence that second goal against Frankfurt was incredible you know to go out against Frankfurt they had one of the most intense atmospheres I've seen in a long time with all those flares and flags waving um, and for Napoli to eventually grow into the game so so quickly mm. and become so dominant like Mm-hmm. And it was after Frankfurt's red card that Napoli just upped their tempo by so much. Like it's it's so so much fun to watch an Italian side play such positive positive football to the point that um, pundits from the UK and um, you know all those experts yeah. are saying that <laughs> <laughs> that um, Napoli are the antithesis of um, the typical Italian philosophy. Okay, that's a big word that I don't really understand. Um, <laughs> does it mean that, because I, I saw something today where a pundit said that Napoli don't play Italian football. Yeah, Because they're it, so fast it. It's the opposite of it, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what antithesis, antithesis means. Yeah, like antithesis. Ah, antithesis. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay, that, that's a smart way <laughs> to put it. They play their own game, Napoli. That's what they do. They're so confident that they could just... Not to say that they don't prepare for their opponents, but they're so skilled, they're so powerful, they're so diverse that just using their own weapons week in, week out is pretty much enough for them to compete with the world's best, man. Yeah, bro, honestly. And at this point, um, you know, once again, they're getting a lot of traction. They're getting... Many pundits are talking. Yesterday, there was a guy, um, I, I don't know who it was. It was an English pundit. And he was basically really praising Ozyman and just saying, like, it's just another player that we're we're impatiently waiting for to join the Premier League. I hate that. I hate that so yeah. much. Get off your high horse. Like, you Literally. know, um, hopefully he does not go anywhere near the Premier League. Yeah. And this week he was actually our goal of the week. Yes, he was, Victor bro. Osimen. An amazing goal from a very tight angle. Granted, Consili could have probably done better, but was definitely caught off guard over there. The type of goal that you'd see um, Roberto Carlos scoring. Back exactly. Roberto Carlos, Mike on that tight angle is, it's not only that he managed to score it, but even just the confidence you need to have to attempt something like that. And, you know, he, he, he's just having it from every angle at the moment because, because he knows his capabilities, he knows his qualities, he's on top form and he has the confidence to do that and to pull it off. Now, Cissé, Di Maria, Guevara, they could have all walked away with this prestigious goal of the week award on yeah. Serie A Spotlight. But Even Soriano, dude, there were, once again, we had um, bangers, no mash recently yeah, yeah, episode yeah. where there were only bangers. This I was think a, you mean Orsolini. Or so even Soriano's. Soriano's was amazing. What's mm. his name? Barrow just laid it off to him and he had it from outside the area into the bottom corner. Di Maria yeah. had a similar goal from out, outside, like not too much power, just perfect accuracy exactly, to the exactly. bottom corner. Kind of like uh, CSAs as well. Yeah. It didn't have too much power. Um, Guevara didn't put too much power into his True. finish. It, it is the element and the art of surprise. That's and it. that is the theme of the goals that we've seen this week. All the great goals 
had that yes. being common in them as a common theme. Our bets, bro. Seria Spotlight slips. Seria Spotlight got the fuck back up, baby. Our first win in five. Oh, we were struggling. Yes, we went through our Milan phase, <laughs> a month without a victory. Exactly. But here we are. We bet on a draw or Lazio win against Salernitana away from home yeah. because, you know, we... We can't trust Lazio away from home to get the win, so we put draw or win. Yeah, of and we're also increasingly unsure of yeah. our decision making, so that was needed. And then we put Juve to beat Spezia because Juve are no joke, and right now bookmakers seem to think that they're worse than they actually are, so you can't take advantage of those odds. Yeah, um, these two true. together took us to, uh, to odds of two practically. It was like one, one nine, nine, five, nine five, something like uh-huh. that. So we doubled our money. That was very good. Exactly. Well done to us. Round of applause for Serie A yeah. Spotlight. Serie A Spotlight slips. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. I mainly shit, though. Mainly shit. What's maybe. that, Jake? What are you this, doing? This, my friend, is my soundboard. <laughs> okay, I'll be, I'll have my trusty soundboard with me at the, on the podcast from now on. Sometimes I might, you know. Today I feel uh, gay. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I might just pull a Berlusconi. <laughs> Pullman Detroit I couldn't find a better one of that I have the Pioli Certo 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 Yeah I've got quite a few I'll, I'll save them for Appropriate moments though Yeah and as we keep on Having more and more Iconic moments this season The more that will grow If you have any recommendations Of quotes and stuff To add to our soundboard Feel free to send them along And we will give them a feature And maybe one of your voice notes will feature that like I'd like to have yeah. one of Minto oh or Chesco, bro. That would yeah. be fucking cool. That would be that would be hilarious. I, I use the word uh, horny uh, <laughs> to my play. <laughs> That's one of the best quotes yeah. in history. It's not say uh, related, it's Vangal with Manchester United, but it had to make the cut. Yeah. Brilliant. I wonder if Spalletti says the same thing to this boy. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us, guys. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. If you can feel free to send us any voice notes on DM, send us your hot takes, send us any questions you might have, and also rate us five stars wherever you're listening. Or for, you know, just be honest, but be a bit kind yeah. to us. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast, essentially. Very good. We've also been posting Twitter threads on on Twitter, of course, 10-part threads. Um, So far, we've put one on the tragedy of Il Grande Torino and um, the Qualiarella stalker story. So do check us out on Twitter if you want to learn more about these two um, depressing events. Yeah, and again, send us your recommendations and you might just get a 10-piece thread of, of what you're looking for. So before we get into everything, guys, just run you through all the happenings of match day. 23, Maggi 23, 23, yes. yes. So Napoli visited the Mape and went away with a 2-0 victory thanks to two fantastic strikes by Guevara and Ossiman. Inter beat Udinese three goals to one. Last time round, Udinese had beaten Inter three goals to one. The Berlusconi derby ended with a 1-0 victory for Milan away from home, their third 1-0 victory in a row. Speaking of 1-0s, Roma beat Verona 1-0. That was the only way they were going to beat Verona yeah. right now, scoring early and defending. Lecce have beaten Atalanta away from home with the score of 2-1. That is the second time Lecce have beaten Atalanta this year and they have gotten the double over La Dea. Salernitana lost to Lazio, two goals to nil. 
at home. Juve also won 2-0 away from home against Spezia. An interesting little story about their managerial situation over there where Semplici, who has just signed a contract, didn't sign the contract in time. Therefore, they had to call upon their caretaker manager for this baptism of fire, which is a game against Juventus. Sampdoria once again played well and got away with nothing as Bologna beat them two goals to one thanks to a last-minute goal by Orsolini. Cremonese really looked like they were going to get it done to get their first victory in Serie A, but they drew 2-2 against Torino in Turin, whilst Fiorentina continue to be quite disappointing as they drew 1-1 to Empoli, who continue to be quite impressive. Yeah, Tuscan Derby over there sharing the spoils. Very interesting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You might have noticed that it's that time of year again when players sport a smudge of lipstick on their cheek to remind the primitive chimpanzees out there not to beat their wives. (laughs) So that's what that was if you are wondering why everyone has a red line on their face this week. If you beat your wife, stop listening to our podcast. And stop beating your wife. (laughs) And stop beating your wife, more importantly, more importantly. Shall we get into it? Let's you get think, into brother? it, brother. Let's then go. Let's do it. So the first game we're going to be covering is Sassuolo nil Napoli 2. The previous encounter was a 4-0 victory for Napoli. It was an Ossiman hat-trick and a Gvaratskelia goal. In fact, Napoli have put six past Sassuolo this season and only two of their players have scored. That is crazy. Berardi was only fit enough to be an unused substitute as Sassuolo lined up in their 4-3-3 formation with Consigli in goal, a backline of Rogerio, Ruan, Ehrlich and Zortea, a midfield three of Henrique, Max, uh, Maxi Lopez, <laughs> Maxime Lopez, <laughs> Maxime Lopez, Maxime yeah. Lopez, Fratesi and a front three of Lauriente, Defrel and Bayrami obviously in place of Berardi. For Napoli, it was also a 4-3-3 formation with Meret in goal and the backline of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Minjay and Oliveira. A midfield three of Anguissa, Lobotka and Elmas directly replacing Zielinski for this game, whilst the front three was Politano, Osimen and Gvara, Politano stepping in for Chucky Lozano. So in the 12th minute, Gvaratskelia opened the scoring for Napoli. It was a solo stunner from the young Georgian as he carried the ball forward from the halfway line, beating two players with ease before slotting a low-placed shot in Consigli's near-bottom corner, leaving the keeper absolutely bamboozled and rooted to the spot. 1-0 and what a fucking goal that was by Gvaradona. Shortly after, Sassuolo thought that they were going to get an equaliser as Lauriente beat Di Lorenzo before cutting into the box and hitting the near post with what would have been a fantastic equaliser but not this time sometimes it just seems like the team that is dominating gets all the luck in the world and Mm -hmm. that really did seem like it was going to be an equaliser for Sassuolo and then still in the first half a Rahmani long ball was captured by Osimhen who beat two players before entering the box but his attempted finish hit the post It was the same combination moments later as Rahmani once again knocked it up front, trusting that Victor Osimhen was going to get there in time. He managed to get there, collected the ball, and as he was shielding the ball from a defender at a very awkward angle, he turned and unleashed a very unexpected strike, beating Consigli at his near post. The keeper should have done better, but once again, the element of surprise was absolutely ruthless, and that was our goal of the week. And it will probably, because of the unique nature of the goal, 
make it into the top 10 goals of the season, I would bet. Probably, yes. Um, top 10 isn't a stretch at all. It would most likely be there. I think so, man. I wonder how many of those goals will be Napoli goals at this rate. And yeah, and, and Gvara and Ossiman yeah. in particular. Ossiman has had some brilliant ones this season, man. Yeah, he really has. Um, Still a couple of, I don't know if you're going to go to the talking points because there's still two highlights I'd like Please to Please go for it, go for up. it. Yes, uh, <laughs> my, my points can wait. Lauriente netted thanks to a Fratesi assist. However, Defrel was in an offside position and interfered as he made slight contact with Napoli defender Oliveira, who ended up losing balance due to this. He therefore interfered with play and the referee cancelled the goal. Now, the contact was incredibly minimal, but it was enough to, to put Oliveira to the ground. And I do think that that was an interference with play because the yeah. defender was... Grounded because of an offside player. Now the commentator found it incredibly harsh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they whatever. To. Like they tend to. Simeone thought he got another super sub goal to his name, but his provider Chucky Lozano was in an offside position. Brother, yeah. sorry for cutting you off. You wanted to say no, something. No, it's fine. All I wanted to do was bang my head against the same bell that we've been fucking banging it against all season about how Napoli mm. can just blow anyone out of the water, and you know Sassuolo did look like they could play to the level of Napoli at least when. It came to chances created through mm. Lauriente, who, by the way, is a serious, serious player. Like he was so unlucky not to score at the near post when he hit the post. Yeah, he won't last long at Sassuolo, Lauriente. Someone no, will pick him up. I really see him with an Atalanta kind of team, man. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they pick him up. Yeah, um, the main thing, one of the most underrated things about this Napoli side, we talk about it often over here, but it continues to be the case, is Stanislav Lobotka. Yes, that sir. guy is incredible. Two incredible performances in the last week. Um, we saw one against Sassuolo and another one in the Champions League. He is a metronome. You know, the second the opposition gets the ball, if Maxim Lopez gets the ball, for example, look around, he's surrounded. There are three Lobotkas around him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's everywhere, this guy. He's so, everywhere and no matter how much pressure you put on him, he calmly will find his teammates. Yeah. He will find his teammates. He's one of the most cool, calm and composed player and matched with his work ethic. He, he reminds me a lot of Ben Nasser. Yes, yes. Same, He's same, very, same. very similar. They're dribbling in tight spaces. They're capable of unleashing the ball under pressure. They're just two very, very similar players. I do think that this season has been Lobotka's proper standout season and obviously Ruiz gave him that opportunity by moving to PSG and it's very clever of Napoli to um, show their faith in him rather than just buying a you know a, a buzz name and just slotting him in that CDM yeah. role but br brilliant stuff by Stanislav To think Lobotka. he was benched by Gattuso Yeah yeah, that is that's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but granted, I think he was a bit heavier back then. Lobotka, he, he, he arrived a bit chunky, didn't uh -huh, he? Uh -huh. He the, he was a bit thick. He, he uh -huh. had like that hazard build. Yeah, <laughs> all ass. Exactly, you know? all ass, all ass. Today I feel uh, gay. <laughs> 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 that's the first one, guys, and it there was brilliant. <laughs> one thing that really struck me about Napoli is their ability to utilize Rahmani and Minjay to play the ball out. Whether it's a long ball or whether it's to Lobotka, whether it's to the wingers, but that is how they start every single attack. Yeah. Rahmani and Minjay were third and fourth respectively in top passes completed. <laughs> With 93 and 92, and of course, Rahmani registered an assist as well, just to add to that. That's a team that dominates the play, man. If your centre-backs are playing those that many passes, they're just switching yeah. play constantly. Yeah, 100%. And th that brings me to the point of they had two 
very dangerous attacks that one ended with Osimhen hitting the post and yeah. the other ended in an Osimhen goal where Rahmani can and, and, and I can do this if I play for Napoli I can hoof the ball upfield yeah. in Maltese we say Feijiji Feijiji wherever not it, Torino it, centre back <laughs> wherever it lands like it lands it doesn't matter because Osimhen is gonna get to it yes. just find a space ping it there and Osimhen will get there and he will create something out of nothing yesterday in the game against Frankfurt um, a ball was played to the, to one of the Frankfurt defenders mm. and he went to kick it away, basically. Mm. And out of nowhere... I saw that. Out of nowhere, Ozzyman gets between the ball and the player and as the player goes to kick the ball, he just kicks Ozzyman. And Ozzyman goes, ah! You won a penalty, you know? <laughs> you won a penalty. Yes, you're right. You can just hoof the ball upfield. Ozzyman will get to it. He's Ozzymental. Ozzymental. There you go. There, go. there you go beautiful beautiful episode title this time yeah. these are my favorite ones just a, yeah. a little bit silly yeah this you know is the I sister mean? episode of Guevara Sexual yeah <laughs> literally yeah. literally Osimhen was obviously first in most attempts he had nine and three of them were on target like I said this guy is just shooting from everywhere and that is why he has 18 goals in Serie A this season and still a long 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 way to go bro there are records that this guy is looking to break and keep in mind he was out injured for a while as well man yeah it's always the case with Osimhen man as yeah. we say he puts his body on the line every game mm-hmm. but we could keep going on and on about mm-hmm. Napoli let's look a bit at Sassuolo they, they did have an undefeated run of four matches that came to an end we can't be too harsh on them because that was against Napoli and to be fair to them to be fair to them they had a good game it was two moments of absolute brilliance that made them lose the game but they hit the post they scored offside they really brought the game to Napoli and 4-3-3 against 4-3-3 and on certain occasions they were even getting the better man yeah for for sure bro um they tend to play up to their opponents the problem is when they when they face some of these smaller sides they don't always show up now we've discussed why the case may be um, mm-hmm. the fact that they don't really have much of a fan base that you know mm-hmm. you go to a stadium you play your home games you you feel like you're away from home because the yeah. stadium is just packed with opposition fans so they don't really have an advantage in any stadium yeah Sassuolo. yeah exactly and that could be why Sassuolo were 20th in distance covered there we go and in dribbling but that doesn't really matter it's the distance covered that really gets me because when you're, whether you're on the ball or off the ball against Napoli, that requires movement, you would think, no? Yeah, it does. And it's not like, you know, they got totally dominated. I mean, they still had 40% ball position. Ball position. You know, they I'm had eight sure. shots, yeah. two on target. You know what I mean? They had a couple of free kicks in yeah, dangerous they, they areas. They should have run more. It's <laughs> <That's>, that's <laughs> as simple as that. Like would have been different if maybe they had captain Mimmo Berardi. Yeah, definitely, definitely would have been a different story. I'm just wondering at the moment, as Sassuolo sit in 15th with 24 points, is Dionisi's job on the line? Do they do they have complete faith in him? Um, they do, bro. They do. They have do, right? Absolutely. I, it, it feels like they do. He, They've been through the worst part of their season. It's mm-hmm. all up here for Sassuolo. They they are getting better now. Like I said, they were an undefeated run of four games. That included a victory against Milan and a victory over Atalanta. If they let them go now. I'm sorry, guys, but like it would be a really, really weird decision yeah. by Sassuolo. 
It's crazy, right? I mean, we, we look at Salernitana, who are in 21 points. They, they've sacked their manager twice. Mm. You look at Sassuolo, who are in 24 points. They've stuck with the same manager. Everyone's saying, sure, they've had a bit of a, a dreadful, a worse season than last season, but no one's really calling it dreadful. Then you look at Fiorentina, for example, who just have one point more than Sassuolo, and their season is being hailed to be dreadful. Yeah. When you think of the demise of Fiorentina as well, because they, they are a conference league team. Yeah, and they have a solid team on paper, better than Sassuolo, and much better than Sassuolo and Salernitano on yeah. paper. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, they, they are definitely underachieving. Uh-huh. We, we, I mean, we'll get to those soon. Mm-hmm. I think Sassuolo are in the period where they're turning things around and they are going to have, they still do have their mindset on a top 10 finish. When you think of Udinese in 10th, they're just six points ahead of them. And at the rate that Udinese are dropping points, I wouldn't be surprised to at some point in the season see Sassuolo, if not get into the top 10 and get very close. No one is going to get close to Napoli though, as they are first on 62 points, 15 points ahead of second placed Inter. While Sassuolo, like we said, in 15th on 24 points they are seven points clear of relegation battlers Verona yes Ozyman did go off injured in the game against Sassuolo Um, he came off holding his leg he was limping off the field and the guy on Twitter wrote down literally uh, Larry and the crown I I assume he's from Nigeria he wrote Victor Ozyman came off holding his leg and limping off the field dot 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 God a beg any injury that will hold his leg let it happen to Smalley instead Um, (laughs) that's what this guy on Twitter said and then Ozyman replied to him you know how Ozyman is on Twitter he just Mm. replies to anyone you could have yeah. like four followers and he'll reply to you. Um, he said, nothing like that, my brother, comma, I day okay, 100 heart. <laughs> what language it's, is it? It's, um, yeah, um, Nigerians have this way of speaking English where you yeah. can understand 50% of it yeah. and then the rest is You, you see that with, with people from the Philippines as well. Yeah. They, they speak like how we have people Talpepe. Talpepe is when you're from the posher regions of Malta and you add a lot of English to your Maltese sentences because English is for the upper class in Malta <laughs> and Maltese is for the worker mm-hmm. kind of thing. I disagree with that shit. We all disagree of with course, that shit, yes, but that's yes. the way it is. Um, uh, and I think it's similar, like in the Philippines, it must be similar in Nigeria, yeah. where, where they just throw in English phrases in their, in their native sentences and, and it's just hilarious to listen to. It man. really is. So the next game we're going to be covering is Inter 3, Udinese 1. So Inter lined up with their 3-5-2 formation, this time with Handanovic in goal. He makes his first start of the year. Um, uh, Onana was fit to play, but um, he opted for Handanovic for rotational purposes, mm-hmm. probably the game against Porto. In mind, he thought, why not? I have a competent goalkeeper here. I'll give him some minutes. Mm-hmm. Bastoni, Acerbi, and Darmian played at the back. Di Marco was on the left with Dumfries on the right. Mikitarian, Brozovic, and Barella were in the middle. Good to see Brozovic back over there. Yep. Zeko and Lukaku partnered up front. For Udinese, it was a 3-5-2 formation, literally mirroring Inter over here. Silvestri was in goal, Rodrigo Becao at the back with Bijol and Ebosse. Ezibui on the right, Udoji on the left, Loveridge, Wallace and Pereira were in the middle with Beto and Thuvan up front. I believe this was Thuvan's first start. Mm. 
Now it all started when Dumfries fell victim to a wild tackle from Udinese midfielder Wallace. Now the referee initially thought that Wallace got the ball, but then he went to VAR and realized that in fact he had not. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave a penalty to Winter. Pro- proper Sunday league challenge, by the way, proper, by Wallace. Proper, the, the, yeah. the amount of force he went into that with, he could have gotten the ball. It would have been a <laughs> fucking foul because of the aftermath. Yeah. That's called a Brexit tackle. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so um, he gave the free kick basically and Lukaku shot low and weak. Mm, Centrally, yeah, the penalty, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Kind of like low, weak, centrally, but but slightly right. And Silvestri saved it. But, 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 the Udinese defender had entered the area prematurely. And there was a retake as the defender managed to clear the ball. Like we saw last yeah, week, the exact yeah. same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I wonder why not just wait. You know, your goaler is going to save the penalty. Just don't don't force a retake because you entered yeah. the area prematurely. He it's completely so naive. It. I actually took a screenshot because it was so like everyone's just waiting, and you could yeah. see the anticipation in their face. And, and this guy is just sprinting in yeah. like an imbecile man. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) But anyway, um, the retake, Lukaku was brave to shoot low and right again. This time he aimed it towards the corner, though. Um, The goalkeeper guessed correctly against Silvestri, but um, it was too much for him. And 1-0, 1-0 for Inter. This is the 20th minute. In the 43rd minute, Pereira played a perfect ball to unleash Lovrich who finished over the head of Samir Handanovic. This time, Samir was not Standanovic, mm. but um, he went down instead. Yeah. He just like ducked down and the ball went right over him. Probably could have done better over there considering how central the shot was. The first half was definitely scrappy, bro. Despite Inter's 60% possession, they just managed five shots, two of them on target, versus Udinese's two attempts. Let's just say that this was no viewing spectacle. In the second mm. half, to change things up Inzaghi brought on D'Ambrosio you know <laughs> that's that's the guy you bring on when you need a goal but apparently it worked you know in the 66 minute he made a double change as well he brought on Lautaro Martinez and Chalanoglu it took till the 73rd minute for Inter to counter and um, score an amazing goal basically with some amazing passes through yeah. Mkhitaryan it was Di Marco who got the assist on that one in the 88th minute um, Lautaro Martinez was one-on-one with the goalkeeper with Chalanoglu completely open to his side and he attempted to chip Silvestri um, missing the target completely Chalanoglu could not believe it but to be honest I don't blame him for not passing <laughs> <laughs> similarly to Lukaku so Lukaku had um, another opportunity right after mm-hmm. he missed the penalty Lautaro got another opportunity straight away in the 89th minute he was one-on-one and this time he made no mistake as D'Ambrosio got the assist and Lautaro managed to bend it around the goalkeeper yeah. you could see him think about it yes. a little bit eh? you could yes. really see it but he ended up finishing like with power into the top corner it was a gorgeous finish and then by Lautaro he's on such great form huh? he really no is, wonder man. he attempted the chip I believe that is his seventh goal in 2023 wow that's, that's crazy that's great yes um, you know Inter I mean you look at the last 10 games they had against Udinese before this they they lost just one of those and it was in the reverse fixture so um, to be honest they do often get the better of this Udinese side but today 
Um, wait, today actually proved to be the same. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No surprises there, no a surprises. victory for Inter, especially exactly. with Udinese struggling so much at the moment. Yes, they've really dipped. It's crazy how they've dipped and they look nowhere near as good as they were at the beginning of the season. You know, you see Inter dominating this one, 60% ball possession with seven shots on goal compared to Udinese's one shot on goal, bro. Madonna, Madonna. So, bro, um, do you think Inter really are the best of the rest? Um, no, I don't think it's it's tight. It's not a straight up no. It's between them and Roma at the moment. Hmm. Milan obviously still coming off. It's too early that they've come off that that terrible run. So you can't have them anywhere in that debate. Um, Inter are definitely the best team aside from Napoli when it comes to their chemistry when they're attacking. Their one-touch play, and you see that with their first goal that was scored by um, uh, Mkhitaryan, was a wonderful team play, and and you do see that succession of of swift passing very often by Inter when they're on, they're on, and they're a mm-hmm. joy to watch. When it comes to a team that is just tough to beat and that pain in the fucking ass, Roma take the cake over there. And when you look at Roma's past games, Roma haven't lost a game in ages, bro. Roma have been excellent. Like, okay, they squeeze one of the victories, but they do what has to be done. I think it's between Inter and Roma. I would love to see those two go head to head today. And I have no Mm. idea what will happen in that game. What do you think between those two teams? Roma and Inter? Uh. Um... Who's home? <laughs> no, as in like you asked who's the best of the rest. Yeah, um, I, I would say right now Inter are the best of the rest. Um, Roma, very, very close. But then I don't think Roma look as dangerous as Inter. There are games where Roma will struggle to find the goal. Granted, same could be said about Inter, but you know, I feel like Inter have that extra that extra that Roma mm. don't have, you know, that individual quality. While Roma are quite Dybala reliant, Inter have many different avenues where they can get goals from. Ah, but then Roma are fucking bastards. They are bastards. classic Mourinho yes. saying, they're fucking, you have to be a bastard. And Roma are a bunch of bastards. They are. A bunch of bastards. And that's incredibly important I for them to get points against everyone. And they have that grit. They have that work. I think they're a Mourinho team. Yes. At its finest, like not well, not a Mourinho team at its finest because the finest Mourinho teams win the Champions League, but whatever. In fact, I do think it's it's harder to face Roma than Inter. Yeah, I think so. That's that, that's, that's the point I'm making. Yeah. Stylistically, mm-hmm. Roma are a tougher matchup for most. Yes, because Inter, if you hit them in the right places, you can get something out of it. But Roma, what places mm-hmm. can you hit them in? Yeah. Um, yes, you 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 are right. Of but course, but it's it's um, between them. It's very very close. I don't know who wins it. Like the 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 main thing now is that Inter have Brozovic back, and they're totally different with Brozovic. Mm. Like you look at Inter the past month, mm. they weren't as dominant at all. They they looked quite uh, flimsy at times, like the game against Napoli, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was because of the lack of their their midfield maestro Brozovic. Uh-huh, so true. in fact, now probably with um, 
with Brozovic back there, you know, you have the likes of Lautaro on hot form. You have Dzeko up front, who's always a demon. On the flanks, you have DiMarco, De- whose left foot is pornographic. You have Barella in the middle, Bastoni can play a long one. You're, there are so many right. avenues to wreak havoc through. You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. They're, they're more of a squad. They have way more squad depth. The thing is, right, right now, I don't think Inter are at 100%. Much like Milan, much like Lazio, much like Atalanta, they're not at 100%. And mm-hmm. I really think that Roma are at 100%. Yeah. Udinese have fallen to 10th. Do you think they will finish in the top 10 this season? That's such a good question. Um, let me have a look at the table. So we're looking at, okay, Udinese in 10th, just behind them is Monza, Empoli, Lecce, Fiorentina, Sassuolo. So I think they will, man. They will. So let's look. So you have the top seven. That, that's pretty much set. Now you have uh, Napoli, uh, Inter, uh, Roma. I'm, I'm regretting. I'm regretting what uh, I said. I don't think they finish in the top ten. I think Monza, Fiorentina, or Sassuolo will overtake them. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you over there. And I think it'll be Monza, bro. <laughs> I think Probably. it'll be Monza. Oh, I have a feeling about Empoli. I really like the way they're playing. And and same could be said about Lecce, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Lecce could easily finish 10th. These this newly season. promoted motherfuckers, man. Dude, dude, making the league so interesting. I love them. Yeah. I love them. But yes, basically, um, Inter sit in second, best of the rest with 47 points, while Udinese are currently in 10th, as discussed, with 30 points. The next game we're going to be covering is the Berlusconi Derby as Monza faced Milan at home. Milan coming out the victors, one goal to nil. Not against Milan this season, however, as even in the reverse fixture, Milan dismantled Monza with the score of four goals to one. Now, the Rossoneri were coming off back-to-back 1-0 wins over Torino and Spurs since shifting to a 3-4-3, and they welcomed back Fikayo Tomori, but we're still missing Ben Nasser, Calabria and Manian. This was obviously a very special night for Monza uh, because of Berlusconi and Galliani, who ran Milan for over 30 years. And obviously had some incredible success. And they even said before the game, like, let's just get a draw and that no one will get hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Monza were the only side that were unbeaten in 2023. Even Napoli had been beaten in 2023. However, the loss of Carlos Augusto was a big one. Monza lined up in a 3-4-2-1 formation with Di Gregorio on goal and the backline of Itzo, Mari and Marlon. They had Churia out on the left and Birindelli out on the right and the double pivot of Pessina and Rovella. They had Mota as the left winger. They had Caprari as the right winger and Petania up front. For Milan, once again, the 3-4-3 formation or 3-4-2-1 formation with Tatarusanu in goal and the backline of Kalulu, Chao and Tomori. They had Messias as the right wing back, Teo Hernandez as the left wing back and a double pivot of Krunic and Tonali. They had Brahim out on the right, Leao out on the left and Divok Origi up front. Certo. Now, to start things off, Tatarosano pulled off two great saves of Churia and Petania in the opening moments of the match. They both happened at the near post. Consigli, please take notes and stop wanking in the shower. 
in the 18th minute, Leao's long-range curling strike hit the outside of the Gregorios post as Milan and then started to get into the game as well. And then in the 31st minute, whilst Monza failed to deal with Akalulu cross, the ball ended up falling to Junior Messias, who took a touch just inside the area and beat the Gregorio with a bullet strike, although the keeper got a hand to it. It was on the turn, wasn't it? It was on the turn and uh, it was on the bounce, so he managed to generate a, a very decent amount amount of power behind the ball and that's the only reason the keeper couldn't keep Mm. it out really. Theo could have put Milan two goals ahead as his great work off the ball ended up putting him clean through on goal but his attempt to trip the Gregorio went wide and he really should have squared it to Leao. Some might argue that the channel was blocked. I think he could have at least tried like. Definitely could have tried there. It was a... uh, Not an open pass but it would have been the intelligent pass. Uh And to be honest... I would have loved to see Theo grab a goal because mm-hmm. of the form that he was on, that he's still recovering from. However, with that being said, a one leading one nil against Monza away from home isn't the try isn't the time to try and grab a goal for yourself. Yeah. It's trying to grab another goal, exactly. not for yourself. We saw many of these situations this this match. I yeah. think of at least three of the top yeah, of my head. Literally. In the 72nd minute, Churia unleashed a low rocket on a half volley from outside the area, which hit the post and nearly made its way in after ricocheting off the leg of an outstretched Tatarusanu. But luckily for the keeper, it hit the post again and went out. So hit the post, hit Tata, <laughs> hit the post again and went out. And let me tell you what, thank God that didn't go in because yeah. Tatarusanu would have crumbled again. And he's on yeah. good form right now and he's confident. But that was probably his last start. It was probably well. The return never, of Manyan, right? You never know because Manyan might just pick up another injury. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, finger, fingers crossed for Milan and for Mike that that doesn't happen. But look, say what you want about Tata. He obviously had a terrible spell this season and he was a protagonist in, in why Milan struggled so much. However... Not his fault that Milan no. don't sign a better keeper. Not his fault. And if there's one thing he gives, it's his 100%. And he saved Milan on a few occasions. Yeah, as I would say overall, his um, stint at Milan was way more positive than it was negative. Of course, he contributed to the title win of last course. season. And of even course. this season... Um, he saved Lautaro's penalty last season. Bar that month where everyone was terrible this yeah. year. Tatar has not been... Awful. The past three games, he's kept a clean sheet and it wasn't only because of the defence. He pulled off some good saves. Obviously, I still don't rate him highly as a goalkeeper. I think he's flimsy and he's not confident enough to Mm -hmm. to run his box, which is why he hasn't had a spectacular career. Leaving his line, man. He really struggles. Yeah. But 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 it, again, it's not his fault that Milan didn't invest in a better goalkeeper. They used him and he did the best he could. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Yes. Uh, no? Yeah. You you had sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Great, great, okay. Maybe we'll edit mine out later. <laughs> oh yes, leave it in. Fuck it. Yeah. In the 84th minute, Di Gregorio pulled off a save, a great save to deny Tonali. Um, and then after that, Salamaker squared it to Decatelari, who had an empty goal. But as he shot, Pessina cleared it off the line. He just can't score. 
score. He he just every, can't. And everyone's telling him nowadays, it's coming, bro. It's coming. You bro. see Leo telling him, like commenting on his post. And there was literally footage of him saying, it's yeah. coming, bro. It's coming, bro. And everyone's saying, Pioli says, the goal is coming. I told the Ketelare he would score against Tottenham. You know, mm. all this stuff. Um, he is getting closer. These chances are coming in hot for him. Yes, yes. I feel like all it takes is one goal for him. Mm-hmm. That, that's the feeling I get. And, and that's how it normally is with teams and players. The second you get off the mark, and then you're confident, then you find your groove, and then you make it. Now, it might not be the case. He might score and then dip again. But I really do get the feeling that he is... he. Milan signed him for 40 million. Maldini signed him for 40 million because he sees something in him. Yeah. He is an incredible raw talent. He is a raw talent. His ceiling is so high. I think one day he becomes a very, very important player for Milan. Let's just be patient, guys. Don't fucking boo him. Don't chat shit about him. Just give him time. The the thing is, you you can see there's been a mentality shift already. Mm. Granted, the goal the goal hasn't come and the performances haven't improved by much but you can tell from his body language the way he plays that he is feeling more confident then you know the turn in results must have affected him positively because you yeah. can tell the way he carries himself he's he's not as down as he was exactly when milan were losing there's five, more th- yeah. two four nil three nil yeah. and and that has probably has to do something with the team spirit that there is right now with yeah. milan being you know they've kept three um consecutive clean sheets Winning 1-0. Everyone's behind Pioli again. Whereas earlier this year, Milan had conceded 12 goals in three matches and he wasn't really getting minutes. He wasn't being utilised correctly. He was coming on for five minutes. Now there's a bit more unity. Now he's being given more minutes. He's been getting more opportunities. He's playing against top teams as well. Like I really anticipate that we we are going to see him play against Atalanta, who are a very Mm -hmm. physical side. He will be key in that game against Atalanta. But I found it really hard to watch this match, Bro Monza Milan. You found it hard to watch? Why? The sky was a fucking gorgeous, bro. <laughs> this the sunset. It was beautiful, man. Pink, bro. It meant you remember it? I remember it. I even retweeted it on Twitter. Did you? On, on our page, yes. It was It was insane, bro. It was it was like something out of the Lion King like. Yeah. Really unbelievable. And obviously it was nerve-wracking as a Milan fan mm. because Churia is a fucking monster. He kept getting close. Um <laughs> every time Petania was in the box, shielding off Tomori, Kalulu and Chao. I was like, "Oh my god, he's yeah. going to do it like." But that that leads me to the point I mentioned Kalulu, Chao and Tomori. We mentioned the importance of Kier mm-hmm. when it comes to implementing the three at the back. And then perhaps when that system is cemented, you could put in the better defenders, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to say, the more prime the, yeah, defenders. The, the more physically capable at the moment. Yeah, and, and it seemed good with those three, no? Yeah, yeah. they're calling them the black three. <laughs> Kalulu, Chao and Tomori. <laughs> it's it's a, an amazing nickname. They, they are all incredibly talented. Kalulu, yes. Chao and Tomori. And I believe it was a combined cost of... 20, so 29 million 29 for Tomori, million. 5 million yeah. for Chao and 1 million for Kalulu. So that's 35 million. Something like that, yeah. And that's that's a crazy amount to spend on a back three. Yeah. It's, it's so, so low. Like, fantastic, yes. Well it's done. incredible. I, I would like to see Milan do a bit more of what Inter do. So Kolarov, Darmian, 
DiMarco, these are all wide players that were and can be utilized as center backs. Hmm. And I think in a team where Kier is obviously, he's, he's very good, but he's nearing that end of his mm-hmm. career. Gabia, I, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I don't see it with Gabia. I, I I think he's okay. I think Gabia is a very talented player. I think that he isn't, his his talent isn't obvious. It's, he's not a standout, brilliant player, you know, but he is solid and he gets the job done quite expertly. What he does have against him is his um, turn of pace. Exactly. When, once he's turned, then he's a bit... Um, he has that, that Romagnoli thing. But he's clever positionally and he doesn't often get caught out. Um, to be honest with you, I think in a three at the back formation, he, he could be once again deployable. Mm. And it'd be all right, I mm. think. I, I do think that now that Milan are utilizing most of their defenders in that centre-back department, then... They they need to have some more depth mm-hmm. over there. At the moment, it's fine because there is Kier and Gabia, and like you said, they get the job done. But the point I was making about Inter is that how they create that opportunity, yeah. which Milan did with Kalulu, fair enough. And that's how Kalulu got there. Milan aren't going to do it with Messias, Salamakers. In fact, I have a... a, a last time I was talking to a Milan fan and I said the, I said the following. <laughs> Calabria mm. in a 3-5-2 isn't quite offensive enough and, and, and capable of marauding the flank up and down quick enough to be a, a I right wing. I would prefer Salamakers, right? I would prefer exactly. Florenzi, yes. Messias maybe. Even Dest, to be honest, Even is Dest. more more capable as a right wing back. However, what Calabria does have is that he's quite defensively sound, right? He's a, he's a pretty good tackler. Don't look at him recently because he has been um, carrying a bit of an injury still. Um, and and mm-hmm. that's, that's obvious, you know, we've seen him when he was fully fit and he looks way better than this. Yeah. Um, right center back. Calabria as a right center back might work. I'm like, find the... I, I use the word uh, horny uh, to my play. I'm feeling horny for that. <laughs> I would love to see Calabria as a right center, but I'm hyped about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a theory so far. But, you know, I, I do see it happening. You're, you're looking at a player who is the captain, first of all. You're looking at a player who's a leader, a player who is a boyhood member of the squad. I love him so much. Who bro. gives his all, you know. We're looking at a defense over here that the depth is lacking and they've switched to a three at the back. I I, mm-hmm. I see it happening. Yeah. I, I I think so. I think so. And purely if you're listening, fucking do it like I'm, I'll be obviously try it out. Certo. There you go. The big man himself. <laughs> but let's let's switch the combo a bit. There seems to be a lot more confidence and grit about this Milan side yes. now, right? Yes. Players like Messias, Teo Leao, Giroud, Tata, Tonali, Salamakers, Kalulu, they're looking twice the players that they looked like before. And again, I really think that confidence in football is so important. And we say it week in, week out, man. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what these players were lacking. Now they have it to their favor. And it was the formation change that has done that and that has allowed Milan to be more defensively sound, which allows them to win games. Mm-hmm. And one man that stands out over there, the only addition was Malik Chow. Yes. And what an addition it was, man. He's honestly been remarkable. He's six foot four, fucking solid. He plays like he's a veteran player. Yeah. And and this was only his second start at the time. 
Um, you look at the game against Spurs, that was his third ever start for mm. Milan, his first ever Champions League game. And he looked like he was at home over yeah. there. He was up against Kulusevski, Son and Kane and he held his own and yes, sir. more. Yes, yeah. sir. And he was going to make mistakes at some point. Um, he has to because that's how he's going to grow in that role. I almost can't wait for him to make them because that's when he'll solidify himself, not as a beginner's luck, good defender, because he has another two good defenders next to him. But when he truly himself becomes a fantastic defender, he needs to make those mistakes and he needs to learn from them. Mm. Milan, now that they're on this good form, do you think they're capable to take on a team like Atalanta? I certainly think Milan are capable of taking on Atalanta. Um, Milan are looking healthier. You know, the injuries are kind of fading away. We're mm. approaching the return of Benasser. I feel like Benasser would complete everything, of course. Yeah. Um, same as Lobotka, same as Brozovic. He is Milan's Lobotka. He's Milan's Brozovic. Yeah. Um, I think Atalanta will definitely make it hard for Milan. I think for them, it's a it's a personal affair, right? Yeah, mm. um, Gasprini loves beating Milan. He does. Dancing at the 5-0, you know, Milan yeah. have bought so many players from um, Atalanta, the vast majority of them actually flopping. So they have those bragging rights. There's a bit of tension between these two teams. Plus the fact that they're from Bergamo, which is um, awfully fucking close. A stone throw away. Yeah. And um, many Milan rejects actually joined the Atalanta Academy. That's And true. the Atalanta Academy is actually better than the Milan Academy. For example, Conti. Yes. Caldara Ka- as well. Caldara, Conti, um, many, many players. Uh, yeah. let's, let's, how many players have Milan bought from Atalanta in the recent past? Like, Kessie well, as well. Kessie. Bought from Atalanta. Kessie, Conti, Caldara. Um, Milan, I believe, sold them Petania. That was an yes, interesting one. Correct, yes, correct, correct. There's been a bit of activity. They're like yeah, the, the Dortmund and, and Bayern kind of thing. No worries, we'll, we'll yell them out halfway yeah, through the podcast. There are obvious ones for sure that we're, we're forgetting, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, Milan were second in match day 23 for top dribbles completed with 17. Um, behind Verona, who had the most, by the way, with 18. Monza were fifth on 12. However, Monza did have 448 completed passes eight key passes and they had 34 minutes of possession to Milan's 24 minutes. So still, I think Milan leave a lot to be desired Mm -hmm. and they don't control the games, but they're capable of getting the points, which is very, very good. And in fact, due to that, they now find themselves in fourth spot on 44 points, level on points with Roma and two ahead of Lazio and three ahead of Atalanta. A real six-pointer next Saturday night. Make sure you're tuned in and watching that, guys. Cancel any bullshit plans that you have (laughs) because that's going to be a real treat. It always is between Milan and Atalanta and it being a fight for Europe makes it all the more exciting. Monza in 11th on 29 points, just one point behind 10th place with Neze. Two quick things to mention um, about Monza. Michele Di Gregorio had six amazing saves mm-hmm. against Milan and Nicolo Rovella had 10 recoveries. Um, amazing. He's, He's really fantastic. Yes. He's fantastic. He, he will be a star in Juve's future. For sure. Now, the next game we are going to be covering is Roma 1 Verona nil now this is a classic Mourinho game over here okay against a team that has proven to be quite a pain in the side of many teams in Hellas Verona they've been they've been way better 
Um, for Roma, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Rui Patricio in goal, Ibanez, Smalling and Mancini at the back, Spinazzola out on the left, Karsdorp on the right. He's back. He's back. And He's good back. to see Spina back as well. Good to see Spina back. Good to see Karsdorp back after he fell out. Um, quite dramatically with Mourinho yeah. but as we said no, um, he'll probably call upon him, call again, upon him again my boy my boy <laughs> Bova and Cristante were in the middle with Abraham leading the charge with Sharawi El Sharawi and Sol Bakken playing off the shoulders of Tammy Abraham Sol Bakken seems like a really nice guy Sol Bakken does seem like a nice guy um, he is 24 years old this was his first start mm-hmm. for Roma and say to say it went well so back in. <laughs> <laughs> well done thank you very much for Hellas Verona it was Montepo in goal with Maniani Heen and Davidovic at the back De Pauli on the right and Stoy on the left with Duda and Tamez in the middle Tamez for <laughs> This commentator is my favorite. <laughs> Gage was playing up front with Lazovic playing behind him as well as Cyril Gorge. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that name pronounced so many different yeah. ways. In Gong, in Gongi, in Gonj, Gonje, in as Gonge, well yeah. as the most recent. But one. this this has to be the best one. Cyril Gorge. <laughs> I have never heard of that cereal before. <laughs> cereal Nesquik. <laughs> So, the goal came through some very intricate, slick link-up play between Cristante, Bove and Spinazzola to play the raw, explosive Norwegian talent Sol Bakken in behind who converted well. Um, Mourinho scores first, Mourinho wins 1-0. The goal came in the 45th minute. Technically, it was Spinazzola who played the assist, but um, amazing play over here by Cristante and Bove as well. Yeah, agreed. Um, this was, bro, um, the type of game, once again, you look at it, you look at the stats, they're very close, right? You have 51% pers- percent bus- percent ball possession mm-hmm. for Roma. You look at six shots for Roma to Hellas Verona's four. It was a lot of um, disrupting the tempo, you know, yeah. a lot of slowing the game down, a whole lot of that for for Roma. Um Shots on goal, you have six for Roma and two for Hellas Verona. Do you think the Mourinho system is sustainable? Um, Look, there are some times where obviously they're going to concede. But the fact that this is how they get the majority of their victories, I can't help but think that it is because... They've mastered it, yes. essentially. <clears throat> now, this is a game where Verona are very dangerous and they're on form. They have players like Lazovic and Ngonj with Gaich up front, um, with Doig and De Pauli on the wings. They've been very, very dangerous. And the way that Roma could neutralize them... Now, it's not that Verona didn't have attempts, but they didn't have clear-cut yes. attempts. Roma denied them that opportunity. It is defense over attack... And the fact that Roma, okay, they struggle getting goals from open play, but they play for the fouls, they get the fouls, mm-hmm. they get the set pieces, and they score them, essentially. Yeah. This this time they scored from open play. But as much as it doesn't seem sustainable, maybe to someone that doesn't watch the games and they see the stats, they're like, fuck me, they had to work their asses off for a 1-0 mm-hmm. victory against Hellas Verona. 
they didn't they're, have to work their asses off. They were them. in control the entire time. Exactly, exactly. So it. I would say it could be sustainable. Yes, they are fantastic at controlling the game of the ball. You look at, for example, Eduardo Bove. He had an amazing game. He covered the most distance this match day. You look at, you know, the likes of everyone on this team. They they work their ass off for their teammates and for their coach. And and you know they brought on this guy so. So I'll back in to replace Dybala, massive shoes to fill, and he actually scores. Um, good to see. Good to see that um, these guys, this group of players, are actually being molded into the bastards that Mourinho wants them to be. Exactly. I think in the beginning, um, Mourinho has recently um, represented and worked for teams where he didn't really have the players that he wanted to. Mm -hmm. When he was at United, he didn't have the squad he wanted. When he went to Spurs, he didn't have the squad that he wanted at all. Mm -hmm. And at Roma, in the in the first season that he had, he was saying, like, like I don't have the players to compete. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I have two players, he used to say. I have three players. Um, my substitutes are shit. <laughs> I think now he has little to no excuse. Sure, it took a lot of work from his end to call upon players like Sol Bakken, Zalewski, Celik, to bring in players like Wijnaldum, Bove, you know, Tammy Abraham. Yeah. But I think he really has created a little squad over here that he can utilize with that big striker that he loves, that Didier Drogba, with the three big center backs, three very mobile center backs two quick wing backs, controlling, powerful, strong midfielders, good wingers. And I, I really think that Roma have a very bright future ahead of them, unless obviously Mourinho looks for a, a new venture because at the that's end of the, the thing, right? Um, when Mourinho signed for Roma, he said that this was a four or five year project, mm -hmm. potentially even longer. Um, but the rumors, now granted they're only rumors, are that he is hot property right now, Mourinho, that yeah. PSG are considering him. Um, so we'll see what happens there. There is Deserbi, who apparently isn't too keen on staying with Brighton and might actually return to the Premier League. So... You know, the likes of Milan, for example, who've just had a bad spell, you know, they're, they're keeping an eye out, I'm sure. You look at the likes of Inter, maybe as well, they, they might be keeping an eye out as well. Mm -hmm. Deserbi is a very talented manager and, and I do see him coming back to Italy potentially next season. Yeah, I mean, you see what he's done with two underdog squads. I, I can't say much about what he's done for Shakhtar because I don't mm -hmm. follow them. Um, but what he managed to do with Sassuolo almost fighting for Europe with mm. them. Um, and what he's been doing at Brighton, whereas before everyone used to say Brighton are good because of Potter. Mm -hmm. If Potter go to Chelsea and doing nothing and deserve going in and they're fucking better than they were. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. But I'm going to speak anyway. <laughs> um, do you know that an English manager has never won the Premier League? An English manager has never won the Premier League. Yes. And I can just name three Italians like this who's, who've won the Premier League. You have, okay, Conte, there's Ranieri, and there's Ancelotti. Ancelotti. Boom, there we go. Like, yeah, if I speak, I'm in big trouble. I prefer really not to, um, not to speak. <laughs> That's mad, huh? That is that, mad. That is mad. And has uh, an English manager ever won Serie A? Yes, Leslie Leavesley, Leavesley, okay. something like that, won 
the league with Il Grande Torino in the 1948-1949 season and Jesse Carver won the league in 1949 and 1950 Um, so safe to say it's been a while it has been When's the next time we will see one? I don't know. I really don't see a lot of... Like, it's even rare that you see English players in Serie A. Only now we're seeing yeah. more of them with, with Tomori and Tammy Abraham, for example, and Harry Winks as well. But otherwise, you really don't see that much. There was Beckham once, but uh-huh, not, not many It's true, all. it's true. Um, nice to see the trend um, coming back, though. It is good to see English players in Italy. Um, you know, they have the ones that are there at least are quite charming. They have character. Yeah, yeah. Roma are currently in third with 44 points, while Verona are in 18th with 17 points, slowly creeping and creeping and creeping up the table. Spezia are in 17th with 19 points, and Salernitana are in 16th with 21 points. It's going to get messy down there. Very messy, very messy. And it often does get messy down there, am I right? (laughs) The next game we're going to be covering is Atalanta 1, Lecce 2, in what was the biggest upset this match day. So Lecce do the double over Atalanta, as in their previous encounter, they beat Atalanta with the same score, two goals to one, which had lost us our bet, At least we learned and we didn't bet on this. In the fixture before that, Atalanta beat Lecce away from home with the score of 7-2 back in 2020. So very, very random that Lecce managed to do what they did against Atalanta this season. (laughs) Now, both sides were decimated going into this game as Martin Deron and Scalvini were suspended with Zapata, Pasalic and Hatteber injured. The visitors had Juan Gonzalez banned, plus Samuel Umtiti, Castro Dermaku, and Pongracic on the treatment table. Strefezza was struggling with flu symptoms and only fit for the bench, but he did end up featuring. For Atalanta, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation with Juan Musso in goal on the back line of Jim City, Demiral and Toloi. They had Mele out on the left and Zappa Costa out on the right. Double pivot of Miners and Ederson in the middle with Boga just ahead of them and behind Lukman and Hoyland. For Lecce, it was their 4-3-3 formation with Vladimir Falcone in goal on the back line of Jean-Dre, Tuya, Bascarotto and Gallo. Blin, Hulmand and Male formed the midfield three with Di Francesco, Cisse and Banda forming the front three. Cisse is starting ahead of Colombo, which is something we hadn't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. In the fourth minute, he opened the scoring, Cisse, with an absolute screamer. He held off two Atalanta players and unleashed a low strike from at least 35 yards out, which went into the bottom corner and out of reach for Juan Musso, who is no joke. Fantastic goal and a great start for Lecce in this game. Moments later, Lukman thought he equalized. Well, not moments later because it was in the start of the second half, but he was in an offside position and therefore the goal was cancelled. In the 74th minute, Blin made it too. It was a short corner to Strefezza who whipped it into Blin, who headed in in a very, very Baskerotto manner. Hoyland should have probably done better on the defensive front over there, but you have to credit Blin for the way that he lost his marker. In the 87th minute, it was Hoyland that managed to get one back for Atalanta. Thanks. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Falcone took his time to clear the ball and Hoyland was able to block his attempted clearance on the slide and the ball flew into the back of the net. A rare error you'll see by Vladimir Falcone. And then in the 93rd minute, Falcone pulled off a fantastic one-handed save to deny Muriel as he made up for his previous error, allowing Lecce to walk away with all three points. Bro, Lecce continue to impress me so much. They truly are an impressive side, as in the second half of the season, they have now earned a total of eight points against the likes of Lazio, Milan, Roma and Atalanta. What do you make of them, man? Bro, Corvino, their sporting director, has built this team into a beastly Serie team with such a low budget, man. You look at what they've done this season, you know, they're, they're, they're giant killers, man. They've held Napoli. They've done the double over Atalanta. They've beaten Lazio. They've held Milan. They've beaten Roma. They are the giant killers. And this was a cheap team to build. Truly, truly, truly an amazing project happening over there. Amazing, man. And and Baroni has really gotten them to play some excellent football, man. You look at them and it looks like they're an experienced Serie A team. You look at Lecce and Monza who have just gotten promoted. And wow, you, you can't tell that they're newly promoted sides. Really, really excellent stuff. And especially Lecce, who have attracted less high-end talent than Monza have. And I'll tell you what, they'll give them a run for their money right now, man. They yeah. really, really will. Yeah, for sure, bro. You look at um, Lecce, they were done... The team was built very intelligently on a budget. Sure, Monza were also built intelligently, but there was a lot more money of to be thrown out over there. These guys came into the league with a bunch of unknowns, you know. The only players we had known prior to the season were maybe Di Francesco, sure, we knew about Di Francesco. Mm-hmm. Tuya, we've seen him at Benevento. Falcone was in uh, was at Cagliari. Sampdoria. And Sampdoria, uh-huh. but, but, yes. Sampdoria, yeah. where he he had replaced out there. Oh season. yes, oh yes, yes. Sorry, not Cagliari, then Sampdoria. Mm-hmm. Um, Calda out. Malek from Fiorentina. Malek from Fiorentina. Di Francesco. Yeah, yeah. And Madonna, I was going to call him Caldar. Colombo. Colombo. Colombo, of course. <laughs> Even though the world had not really known much about exactly, and, and obviously Colombo. Samuel Umtiti, the yeah. the Umtiti. World Cup winner. But yeah. Um, an amazing game. This was the most intense game of the match day when it comes to distance covered. Um, yeah. They are the two sides who have covered the most distance this match day. Um, you also look at Falcone's saves. I think he ranked second when it comes to saves. No, first. First with nine. Um, second is Juves Perrin with seven. Yeah. yeah. That being said, bro. When you look at the way Lecce lined up, obviously, like I said earlier, they had a lot of injuries. Who would you start? Cisse or Colombo? Because that's a tough one, man. Okay. I would start Colombo because of his ability to make something out of nothing and to score from extremely tight angles or from snapshots or from half chances. Um, and I do think that Cisse is very effective coming off the bench because of how good he is on the break. Mm. So if you if you need a goal, maybe the opposition are still pushing you up naively. Mm. You bring on Cisse, he's going to counter that. That's quite uh-huh. nice. I, I can't help but think that... I feel like the decision of starting Colombo ahead of Cisse for so long happened a bit prematurely. Mm. Cisse was grabbing a, a couple of goals and then it seems like Colombo grabbed a few goals 
and he was their starting number nine. Now, obviously, I'm sure there's something in his contract probably. from Milan yes, that he gets more minutes. But but I, I think Cissé can be very good for them. He's a talented guy. He seems a bit clumsy sometimes, but he does remind me of, of that... Um, striker that you really used to like Simeon Wankwo Simeon Wankwo yeah. his, his stature reminds yeah, me a lot yeah, of him not yeah, as yeah. tall not quite as tall more skillful um, but not as good a poacher as the the Wank was <laughs> fucking Simeon Wankwo dude what a player I, I loved watching that guy that season with Crotone wow man yeah you, you mentioned that Lecce were first in top distance covered mm-hmm. and Atalanta were second What's interesting is that Lecce were first in top distance covered and then they were 20th in top passes completed. There we go. Scoring chances and ball possession. There we go. Controlling the game of the ball. We're just talking about this. It's a skill um, and you need a bloody good goalkeeper to do yeah, it as well. Exactly. Like nine saves aren't a joke. Exactly. And, and we've said that a lot. Um, Falcone has been great for them. Obviously, he had this one error in the game. But mm. then again, Hoyland did an excellent job to even get there. <laughs> this is going to get old real quick. I just sound bored. <laughs> But not I, a fan you're not a fan it's, it's great I, <laughs> I love it it's gonna get <laughs> like when I'm on the groove and it, and it comes in anytime you say his name it's coming on excellent <laughs> thanks for letting me know um, we always say this about Lecce they are one shape and one shape only they never lose their shape yeah. when they're defending they always keep their shape when they're attacking they always keep their shape they're so hard to catch on the break they're so hard to attack against. They're so hard to defend against. They're just such a tight little unit, yeah. man. And you can see like, like the football theory, like basic football theory being played out to to an exceptional level. Like like the triangles on the pitch. Exactly. You know, just a bunch of triangles everywhere to, to pass from. You always have two options minimum. It's, it's very, very good to see. Yeah. Atalanta were first in top ball possession. In fact, they had 70% ball possession towards the end of the game. Well, in, in, in the game, actually. Um, second in distance covered, as we said. Second in top key passes. Second in most scoring chances, as they had um, 13 shots. Seven of them were on target. They were third in top dribbles and third in top attempts. They gave it their absolute all and still didn't manage to get away with a single point against the newly promoted Lecce. They now find themselves in sixth place on 41 points, three points behind our Champions League spot, whilst Lecce are in 13th on 27 points and they're just three points off of Udinese in the top 10. Salernitana nil Lazio 2. This was Susa's first game in charge at the helm for Salernitana. Um, and it ended in a loss, yes. Um, Lazio away from home have not been dominant, but this time they got the job done. For Salernitana, it was Sepe in goal with Pirola, Danilovic and Bron at the back. Brotheric on the left, Kandrev on the right, with Chernigoy and Koulibaly in the middle. Piontek played up front with Vilena and Bonazzoli playing off his shoulder. Interesting to see a few changes already, right? Like Bonazzoli playing off the shoulder of Piontek over there, Chernigoy starting. Sure, he probably came in, you know, it doesn't matter that Chernigoy is new because the manager is also new. Exactly. So, you know, whoever is performing, you play. Yeah, he's doing what Motta did. He's, he's figuring yeah. his starting 11 out. Yeah. Um, granted that he has more pressure because relegation, that relegation zone is looming. So he better get it right soon. Yeah. 
Provedel was in goal for Lazio as they ran their usual 4-3-3 formation. Hisai was out on the left with Marusic on the right. Patrick and Chasale played um, as the centre-back partnership. I believe Romagnoli is out injured. Vecino, Cataldi and Luis Alberto were the midfield three. Felipe Anderson was on the right. Pedro on the left. And the return of the king, Ciro Immobile. Up front. I think Sergei is suspended. Sergei Milinkovic Savage is indeed suspended. Now, the game the first goal came in the 60th minute. Caution. Sorry, ball alert. <laughs> there was some intricate build-up play by Lazio, including a gluttonous dose of tricks and flicks, leading to Marisic playing a beautiful pass to Immobile, who converted, and this was his first goal in a while, in a long time, to be honest. Yeah. Shortly after, Sepe crunches Immobile's leg while charging. It was a clear penalty. Um, he literally had like Immobile's leg in between his legs and arm. He got entangled basically up. Yeah. Um, Immobile took the longest penalty run up in the history of the sport um, <laughs> and shot it bottom right corner. Saved it. That saved it. Scored it. Converted. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great goal. Um, it must be said that Sepe did track the penalty. Sepe is very good at penalties as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, towards the end of the game, Bron was sent off for pulling Anderson down in the box. Um, there was a penalty. Luis Alberto shot left. Sepe guessed correctly again, but this time he actually managed to save it. Um, the ball fell perfectly to Luis Alberto. He had an open net right in front of him, but the Spaniard decided to go for the, a weird standing volley kind of yeah. thing, like a scissor yeah. kick, but standing. Exactly. And he ended up missing the target. Um, it didn't really matter much in the grand scheme of things, but of course it'd be disappointed on a personal level. Exactly. I have him on Fanta as well. I'm lucky that I still managed to get a victory this <laughs> There we go. Um, A well-deserved victory for Lazio away from home. They had 66% ball possession. They had 12 shots to Salernitana's seven, six shots on target to Salernitana's three, and they just played them out of the park. Yeah, I I believe bronze red card. So he first got a yellow, and I think he told the ref to fuck his mom or something. Yeah, something like like that. I think he got sent off for a descent. It's also interesting, bro. We always talk about how many goals people are capable of getting against Salernitana. Mm. Immobile is on like six yeah. against Salernitana, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is mad. People go on these wild streaks against them. It's true, against random teams, to be honest. Um, Salernitana happened to be quite a hub for that. Yeah. Um, do you know that Salernitana and Lazio have never drawn in their history? No. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And Salernitana, since the beginning of November, have collected the second fewest points in the league. So they've actually been on quite a bad run. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. And, and they. They could be in trouble if Verona continue the streak that they're on and let's say they, they just keep winning and they climb up. It's between them and Spezia and I don't know who's worse right now, bro. Probably Spezia. Spezia are probably worse right now. And they're yeah. both they're both in the same kind of... It's exciting because they both got their new managers now. Yeah, It's all about who settles quicker. like, And that That's direct it. encounter is going to be a, a big one, man. And I wonder if the... In- if the decisions of Spezia and Salernitana affect the other's decision-making when it comes to sacking managers, mm. for example, because it's crazy that they both moved at a very similar time. Yeah. Um, they're probably thinking they're going for something new, might as well go for something new ourselves. You know I think I mean? so, man. I think it plays a big part. Mm. I think it does play a big part. I still think David and Nicola's system would have led to salvation. Now I'm not sure who would Sousa, but we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. I think I think he was the, the right man for the job. You can't blame them after you give him a second chance 
that he still doesn't manage to do anything basically and he keeps on losing games and doesn't put up a fight um it's unfortunate because i really do think he was the perfect candidate for that job and yeah. he got them playing football that i think they'll never play again <laughs> for the next fucking decade <laughs> but now it's all about adapting they have a decent squad they have some decent key pieces how's he gonna utilize them we'll see and we'll see if he manages to get the best out of them yeah that we will um a good game, fun one to watch. When Lazio tick, they definitely are a joy to watch. Um, and they are currently in fifth with 42 points, while Salernitana sit in 16th with 21 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Spezia nil Juve 2. The previous encounter was the exact same result. The Bianconeri had to rotate the squad after their 1-1 Europa League draw with Nantes on Thursday and a crucial second leg coming up next week as Chiesa, Milik, Miretti, Pogba, Caio George and Fagioli were out of action, whilst Bremer also sat out a ban. Spezia sacked Luca Gotti on Wednesday and had new chief Leonardo Semplici lined up but had not yet signed the contract, so Fabrizio Lorieri was on the bench <laughs> as caretaker. Esposito was banned for Spezia with Bastoni, Zurkowski, Sala, João Moutinho and Zoet injured, but Ampadu and Caldara returned from suspension. Drangovski started in goal for Spezia as they lined up in their 4-2-3-1 formation. Reka was out on the left with Amian out on the right and a back two of Nicolau and Ampadu took place. That Egdal and Burabia and the double pivot and they had Giasi, Agudelo and Verde behind Shomorodov. For Juve, they played a 3-1-4-2 formation with Perin in goal and a backline of Danilo, Rugani and Sandro. They had Locatelli in the number six role with Quadrado out on the right, Kostic out on the left and Rabio and Paredes in that double pivot with Moiskin and Vlaovic up front. So it was the worst possible start for Manuel Locatelli, who was booked after just 20 seconds for a late lunch to stop a counter-attack, and he will therefore be suspended for the Derby della Mole against Torino, which is coming up. It's Oof. going to be a nice weekend of football, and guess what there is this weekend as well? Your birthday. My birthday, baby, I'm a birthday boy. <laughs> yeah, it's on Monday, but I'm a birthday boy all I managed weekend. to take leave. Legend. On Monday, yes. Legend. We go day drinking, and sure. we go to Cheeky Monkey because they show football there. Okay, we do it. Cool. Let's do it. And Done. I'm not going to football as well on Monday. Amazing. I'm amazing. all yours, dude. You'll be too hungover anyway. Yes, sir. Spezia had a scare on 18 minutes when Bartolomé Drangovski fell clutching the top of his thigh after he gave a goal kick and he carried on for a few more minutes before having to make way for their third choice keeper, Federico Marchetti. Because Zoet, as I mentioned is injured. This was Marchetti's first start in Serie A, sorry, his first appearance in Serie A since May 2021. What a throwback. Jesus is back. So this whole Marchetti thing has, has reminded me of an event that I think we've never actually discussed on the podcast. So r recently when Genoa sacked Blessin uh. and brought in Gilardino, Blessing put up an Instagram post basically thanking Genoa and the people of Genoa for, for an amazing experience. Um, Marchetti commented on that post from his official verified Instagram account. And mm. he spoke in English. He wrote everything in English because Blessing is known to not speak Italian properly. Uh. Marchetti said, <clears throat> I'm going to read it to you. It's quite long. You are the poorest, 
most fake and conceited manager I've had in my long career. You made fun of all the Genoans from day one. You relegated a team that could have saved itself with your ridiculous football ideas. Now that you're finally home, take a bath of humility and see what David and Nicola and see David and Nicola and try to learn from him how to manage a group to get results on the field, not the chance from the fans like you did. Good luck, go Genoa. Wow. Yeah, he fucking hates him. Like he, he, he sounds like a dickhead, yeah. but God knows what went on behind the scenes for him to say that. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it was probably something personal, no, about how Marquette yeah. was probably there, and he never even gave him the light of day. Um, the thing is that Marchetti was also on bad terms with Genoa fans. So Genoa fans were basically like, you want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, was, it was a bit funny seeing this. It's not often you see people calling out yeah, people like this. It's true, media. especially a, a fucking 40-year-old yeah. professional. How but long do you think it took him to write this paragraph? It's quite well-worded, huh? It is quite well-worded. I think the direct translation of you made fun of them uh-huh. It, like what he wanted to say is snaked beyond yeah. kind of thing. Like you, um, l- like you almost took them for granted, kind you, of not took them for granted. What you made the a fool out of them. You, ah, exactly. Exactly. Like you did what you wanted and, and mm. you, you thought you were fooling them yes. kind of thing. But anyway, let's get back to the game. Yes. In the 32nd minute, Keane opened the scoring. It was shambolic defending by Spezia. As, oh my God, <laughs> I tried to write on my notes, um, Amian, and it translated it to Asian. Or it autocorrected it to Asian. Shambolic defending by Spezia as Amian gave Kostic acres of space to deliver a cross and Ampado was flat-footed in the box, allowing Keane to knock the ball into the back of the net and nothing Marchetti could do about that. It was then in the 66th minute after Di Maria was introduced into the fray. His long-range attempt was perfectly placed into the bottom corner from some serious distance. It was anywhere between 25 to 30 yards out. What a goal by Di Maria. This guy is just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm done saying how good Di Maria it's is. It's obvious at this point, isn't it? Yeah, that, that goal was spectacular. He can yeah. score in any manner and, and he's always contributing to this Juve side and he has a big reason as to why they are now up in seventh place, bro. After getting docked 15 points, at this like point, they're going to make Europe. Yeah, they, they, they are going to. At Europe, for sure. At this point, the question is, are they more, are they consistent enough to even reach the top four? A challenge for the top I, four at this they, point. They can. They lost to Monza recently, sure, yeah. but but they can, bro. They can. Let's not get carried away because they beat Spezia, but they made with this victory a serious stride in the right direction. They have the Derby della Mole coming up. That's going to be an interesting one. How yeah. do you see it going? So. Because you know how derbies uh, are. Normally it's I easy know. to say like a Juve win, but you know how derbies play out. But I do think this one will be a Juve win. 1-0. Yeah, something like like that, as simple as that. Um, Torino have been decent. They've been good. Um, granted, they didn't win this week. They drew to Cremonese. Um, but Juric did praise the performance. Um, I think Juve will still have too much for Torino to deal with. And now that... Juve are seeing the teams ahead of them actually dropping points so frequently like like Lazio and Atalanta they dropped points like Mm-hmm. Like that, mm-hmm. um, they probably have realized that there's still there's still hope for them. You know, yeah. had they never been docked 15 points, they would have more points than Milan at the moment. Probably more than Inter. 
as well. Mm, I don't think so. Dude, More plus than Milan 15. for sure. Plus plus 15. Uh, 32, 45, 46, 47. The same amount. Does have Inter. the same amount of points as Inter. That's fucking wild, man. That is wild. Very unfortunate to be a Juve fan and very unfortunate to be a Juve player at the moment. Um, I think Spezia put up a decent performance in this match, but once again, they struggled for goals with Nzola not being fully fit. And Shumorodov basically starting up front. He still needs to kind of find his feet over there. Spezia were, were second in match day 23 in chances created, man. Wow. So they did have opportunities. Yeah, Perrin was incredible. He was very good. He had one save at a point, bro, this reactionary Mm. save. He was well positioned already, which made it easier for him, but he got down so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saved it with his thigh, no? His inner thigh. Like, or was it his hand? I think it was his hand. I I think it was like his forearm, which was next to his thigh. But, But brilliant, man. They have the best goalkeeping duo in the league. You know how we talk about goalkeeping duos? That's the best one. Perrin Szczesny is the best goalkeeping duo in the league. It is good. I also really like the Gregorio Cranio. Huh? Yes. But we don't see enough of Cranio. But that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. we don't. We don't see enough. And you look at these guys, they're, they're doing it with a... Granted, okay, yes, it's a better team. And to be honest, it is harder to do with a smaller team. But the fact that, again, we never see Cranio, it, it's just... You've, uh, yeah. These two keepers are so good that they have to play both of them. <laughs> exactly. P- pretty much. Pretty much. And Juve have a decent amount of squad depth with all the youngsters they have as well at their arsenal. When you look at the amount of injuries they have and where they are in the table despite being docked 15 points, it's actually pretty impressive because they had a ton of injuries and they still consistently struggle in that department. It's really interesting, man. We see a lot of injuries happening in Italy in particular more than most leagues. Yeah, that's that's true. I wonder what it is. Yeah. It would have been a baptism of fire for Semplici playing against Juventus in your opening match, but obviously he hadn't signed his contract yet or in time. So they had to play this match with their caretaker manager in Lorieri. How do you see Spezia performing under Semplici moving forward? Um, I don't know if they will keep... So, so we've seen them swap with a th- from a three-at-the-back formation to now a four-at-the-back formation with... Fabrizio Lorieri. Um, Gotti is very good um, at, at deploying a three, three at the back formation. He's quite good at, at that system. Um, but Semplici has um, actually kept Cagliari afloat when they were having a tough season mm. um, back in the day. Um, and he mostly deployed a 4-4-2 formation. Okay. And I do see the potential for that to repeat itself over here because I do think Spezia will be very annoying with a 4-4-2 formation. Imagine playing against them two rows of four between, you know, you and the goalkeeper. It would be very annoying. And they have the personnel for it. You know, I mean, Jazz, you can partner Shomorodov up front. You can look at Agudelo, you can play either up front or you can pop him in the middle. You can put Verde on the right. You can put even Jazzy out wide as well if yeah. you want to. Um, Egdal, Borabia could play in the middle. You have the personnel for, uh-huh. for a 442 over here. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Maybe they'll become one of those fucking super frustrating Catanaccio teams to play against. And I think that's what they're going for by hiring yeah. someone like Semplici. They know his system. It's like essentially you're employing Sam Deitch, for example, yeah, for all the, yeah. any, any Prem heads that are listening to anyone that takes interest in the Premier League. It's something like that. It's a quick fix. Normally, you don't tend to see these managers stay on for an additional season. However, we saw it with Davide Nicola after a great run, after he helped Salernitana survive miraculously. So maybe, who knows? Never say never. Never ever, bro. 
Um, good to see Juve and high spirits. We saw them low. We saw we saw many teams at their highest and at their lowest this season, haven't we? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We saw Milan, Juve, Juve, yeah, we saw Inter. Juve going on like that nine game unbeaten streak where they I don't even think conceded what was it? They didn't concede a single goal. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like mental. And then right after that, docked fifteen points, playing without any courage or without any desire mm-hmm. um, against Monza and losing over there, the lowest of the low. We've seen Milan get destroyed like <laughs> <laughs> we've seen Milan beat Inter at the beginning of the season yeah. like, like we've seen the highs and the lows of these teams yeah it, it really has been a dramatic season on, on that front obviously you see Napoli who are just having highs and they're absolutely running away with it but otherwise a lot of teams have gone through it this season and this will be a make or break season for a lot of teams Juve are now on a three match winning streak okay it's no nine match but they're definitely getting somewhere um, in fact they've climbed to seventh place despite their 15 point deduction where do you think they can end up like, where do you think they will end up, rather, at the end of the season? They are current, like I said, in seventh, and they are... Um, my God, my maths. They're 13 points behind a Champions League spot. Hmm. I think right now, so as it stands, Allegri to the media is saying that mathematically Champions League is impossible. That's what he's saying. Well, that's not true. But it's sure. not true, um, of course. Um I do think that it's it's what they're eyeing. Now, once again, Lazio and Atalanta have shown that they can slip up. Milan have shown that they can slip up over there. Um, Roma have gone through spells historically um, of poor form, granted maybe not with Mourinho at the helm. Um, so they must seriously be licking their lips and taking it one game at a time. Um, you know, I'm sure that Europa League, Champions League, they yeah. can most certainly achieve that. I think they'll get a higher European position than Conference League. Yeah. I think they'll go beyond that now. I think Europa, to be honest. I I still don't think they'll make top four, but Europa, Uh yeah. I think Europa League, it'll be the first time they missed out on Champions League in fucking God knows how long. We'll see what that does to them financially. Hey, hey, we'll see. Will they get a lot of money from their stadium? I don't think it will. Well, it'll affect them, but not as much as it'll affect other teams. But yes, guys, Spezia find themselves in 17th place. They're only two points ahead of Verona and Salernitana are two points ahead of them, whilst Juve are in seventh on 32 points, level with Bologna and one ahead of Torino. The next game we're going to be covering is Sampdoria 1, Bologna 2. Sampdoria are just allergic to getting points, (laughs) allergic to winning. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, you look at Sampdoria's lineup, it was a 3 4 1 2 formation with Audero in goal, Amione, Nuitink, and Murillo at the back, Augello on the left, and Lyris on the right, with the midfield duo of Cuisans and Harry Winks. Harry also wanks. Viricic <laughs> was in the track artist position behind Gabbiadini and Lammers. Skorupski was in goal for Bologna under 4 2 3 1 formation. Posh was on the right. He's the highest goal-scoring defender in the league this season alongside Whoa. Carlos Augusto. Cambiazzo was on the left. Sosa and Lukumi were in the middle. Schouten and Dominguez were the midfield double pivot with Orsolini on the right, Soriano on the left and Ferguson playing behind Musa Barrow. 
The first goal came in the 27th minute when Orsolini pinged a corner into the chest of Musa Barrow, who laid it off for Soriano, who shot from a distance, low and hard into the bottom corner. In the 68th minute, Sabiri converted a penalty after there was a tussle between Gabbiadini and Lukumi that led to yeah. the referee giving that call. Um, one minute later... Sabiri had another penalty. <laughs> um, he had just come on, this guy. All of a sudden, he's coming on. He's taking two penalties. Um, this was a handball on the slide. The, Skorupski managed to basically get a double save on Sabiri. This time, Stankovic couldn't even watch. He was facing the other mm-hmm. way. Um, but yes, unfortunately, Sabiri could not score twice. And the score was still 1-1 at that point. Towards the end of the game, some day we were thinking, okay, at least we didn't lose. But then bang, in the 89th minute, Orsolini went one, on one of his mental rampages on the right-hand side where he just cut in and fucking smacked it into the top corner. Um, there was some VAR drama took forever to check the, they, they thought that there was an offside but in yeah. reality there wasn't there were just technical issues with VAR and the communication with the referee yeah. so that was very annoying to just be waiting there for five minutes and the goal still stood yeah Soriano's proving to be very important for them sorry um, Orsolini Orsolini well yes. even Soriano mm-hmm. but they've really those two in particular have been dropped from Bologna's team recently under Mihailovic and over the caretaker manager they had whilst Mihailovic was ill. Um, they tend to drop Borsellini and Soriano. Now they're staples in the team again and they're very, very important to them. That was a brilliant goal by Orsolini. One thing he didn't mention, bro, is sure, Saviri didn't score the second penalty, but it was a great double save. It was an amazing double save. By Skorupski. Skorupski, yeah. Um, your favorite goalkeeper? Well, one of them. He's he's excellent. There's no denying that, man. He, he is, is he one is of excellent. the best goalkeepers in the league, without a doubt, in my opinion. For really, sure. Really, for really, sure. really. For sure. Um, I'm telling you, man, there's no shortage of talent in the goalkeeping department. Literally. Like, even the second keepers are, are bloody good. But yes, this was a hard-fought game. You look at the statistics over here, you had 40% ball possession for Sampdoria, 60% for Bologna, of course. You look at the shots on goal, Sampdoria had three, um, Bologna had five. Now you look at the first few minutes of the game, Gabbiadini had an opportunity, he was one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Um, I think it was Lammers. Yeah, Lammers was wide open right next Mm. to him. Gabbiadini just ignored him and tried to score himself. That's no surprise when you look at the statistic that Gabbiadini has put about six goals. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, he scored six against Bologna. It's one of um, his favorite sides to score against. Um, And, And he scored more, I think, around half of Sampdoria's goals this season. Yes, Gabbiadini. yes, that, that makes perfect sense considering they really haven't been scoring that many. Um, you look at Orsolini, he was involved in five of um, f- five goals in the last five games. Wow. Yes, Orsolini, he's a crazy contribution over there. Uh-huh. He, he's, he's such a good talent. The only problem is that he's inconsistent, but his close ball control, his dribbling, the way he he's so direct... Mm-hmm. Or Solini. He's a really joy to watch when he's on form, man. Yeah, he really is, bro. Um, and I love seeing a player who who's a bit of a shit house. you know? He's a bit of a shit house. or yeah. Solini. Yeah, um, great character. Yeah. it's It was interesting to see, bro, at the start of this game, the Sampdoria fans were singing so loudly. Um, I think the Inter draw on the recent performances have given the side some belief, but... How much can these fans take, man? You know, like they, they got so close to another point over here and boom, at the end they got shafted. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the this team is 
getting relegated. <laughs> and, and I don't think there's any doubt about it. They're only on one victory this season. Um, uh, and this was against Cremonese. You know what I mean? They're on 11 mm-hmm. points. They've only scored 11 goals and they've conceded 38. That's a minus 27 mm-hmm. Um, uh, the worst in the league when it comes to goal difference minus 27 mm-hmm. that, that's even worse than Cremonese who have minus 25 and Spezia who have minus 20 I mean I, I wouldn't write them off just yet though I wouldn't say they're relegated just, just yet because you look at the way they play so there's still plenty to play for yeah right it's um, Max Day 23 uh, exactly. 15 games left 15 games um, Spezia and Salernitana play worse football than Sampdoria at the moment so mm-hmm. there could be a situation where Sampdoria start picking up points um, and Spezia and Salernitana continue to drop points and then all of a sudden you might have Verona and Sampdoria out of the relegation zone with Salernitana and Spezia sitting there instead. So we, yeah. you never know, man, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and you've learned from last season when we were shouting that certain teams were going to get relegated yeah. and they didn't. Um, our, our weekly bye-bye to Salernitana, <laughs> I remember that. Oh, geez, no. Oh, geez, no. <laughs> but but I, I, I do think that and personally, I wouldn't like to see them in Serie A because they, they literally, they, I know they've gotten better, but, but still, I really don't enjoy watching them play football, man, mm. I'm afraid. It's that shithole of a stadium, I'll miss. I actually like the, the vibes of that stadium. And that would be the, the second team because Genoa got yeah, relegated last yeah. season as well. So we literally won't see that stadium next year unless Genoa get promoted. With their boy Gilardino. Mm. And I, I want to watch that derby. I would yeah, love to watch yeah, that yeah, derby yeah. live, same bro. Dude, I don't know same. which side I'd want to be on. Genoa or Sampdoria. I like Genoa a lot, man. Same. I think I'd want to go on Genoa's side. But that's... We'll have a Genoa kit. We'll have a Sampdoria kit as yeah, well. So. We can go as both, bro. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Holding hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, if you're hearing this for sure. This is the dog. This is Bully. You can see him on our close friends. We'll put a video. Yeah. He's, he's got like every problem known to dogs. Yeah. Well, he, he actually, I'm surprised when we take him to the vet. It's, it's always really clean. I was like, ah, oh, Bully's doing well. Mm. He's just... He's got everything an old dog has. So he's a bit yeah. deaf, he's a bit blind and, and his heart rate is a little bit all over the place. Yes. But otherwise, he's very anxious. He and is. I think he brings out the anxiety in me as well when he starts whining like this. He just fell off, he the, fell sofa. off the sofa. Um, <laughs> he's a 15-year-old Chihuahua. How old is he? We got him in 2009 and he was two months old when we got him or three months old. There we go. 2009, it's 2023. Fuck me, he's really old. That's 2023 minus 2009. I don't give a fuck, guys. I'm... <laughs> calculator he's 14 bro 14 for a chihuahua's old dude this it guy is. ain't got much longer left <laughs> yes um, but the good news is that he's not drowning no because once we were in Gozo and this fucking waiter randomly told us like we had our dog with us and our dog was whining he does this thing where he starts going like <laughs> and, and this guy this waiter was like your dog he's drowning he's got water in his lungs my dog had the same thing he died and we're like alright thank you this burger is lovely <laughs> and, and, and ever since then every time he starts making that sound I, I would get really fucking upset because I'm like okay my dog's my dog's actually drowning uh-huh. like he's in pain Literally. but turns out he isn't it's just he has um, an irregular heartbeat and yeah, yeah, so yeah. nice mix couple of sounds because of that but anyway enough about the dog um this is what some doya makers do that's how boring yeah, they are exactly, <laughs> exactly. but he does remind me of like goran pandev towards the end um <laughs> looks fucking terrible unfit but still 
so special. You yeah, know? yeah, he's very special. He's a very special dog. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make a, an episode specifically for Bully when he inevitably passes. <laughs> yes, yes, and ask request to follow us on our close friends to see footage of Bully. We'll put up exactly. some videos and Marley and Marley, one of Marley's children. Okay, so Sampdoria currently sit in nineteenth with eleven points. While their opponents this match day, Bologna sit in eighth with 32 points. Eighth, Bologna, bro. Eighth. eighth. Just Not behind bad. the big seven. They, they've really improved. Yeah, Luca must be thrilled. Luca must be so thrilled. Hey, Luca. How are you, man? Hope you're well. But anyway, the next game we're going to be covering is Torino 2, Cremonese 2. In the previous encounter, Torino won away from home with the score of 2-1. So for Torino, it was a 3-4-3 formation, or 3-4-2-1, with Vanya and Gold on the back line of Ricardo Rodriguez, Shores, and Gigi. They had Voivoda out on the left and Olain out on the right. A midfield two of Illich and Linetti, with Karamo and Miranchuk playing behind Sanabria. For Cremonese, they played a 3-5-2 with Karnasecki in goal on the back line of Ferrari, Bianchetti, and Aiwu. They had Senecola out on the right and Valeri out on the left. A midfield three of Pikel, Meite and Benassi with Okereke and Saju up front. So in the 41st minute, Sanabria converted a penalty. The penalty was awarded after Illich was tripped by Nicola in the area just in front of the referee. Up stepped Sanabria with a perfect penalty into the bottom corner, sending Karnesecki the wrong way and he did manage to get quite a bit of power behind that as well. In the 54th minute, Saju scored. The ball fell kindly to the 23-year-old inside the area who unleashed a shot which went in off the post for his first ever Serie A goal and he has just joined Cremonese from Milan. Brother of mine. Yes, man. Don't worry. I've got it in my notes. I'm going to okay. mention that you gave him a shout out last week. Don't <laughs> you, you worry, much. bro. Don't you worry. <laughs> In the 74th minute, Valeri scored a great goal. The Italian's first time strike from just inside the area beat Vanya for power at his near post, despite getting a strong hand to it, making it a 2-1 away lead for Cremonese. In the 79th minute and then, Singo equalized. It was, a, it was some very unconvincing defending from Cremonese, as Singo was in acres of space inside the area and was found by Miranchuk, and the Ivorian sent Valeri back to Serie B with a simple feint <laughs> before beating Carnesecchi at the far post. Seems like they're just not good enough, huh, Cremonese. No matter how close they get, they'll never get close. And they enough. crumble. After they, got, after they get an important goal, they concede immediately. They yeah. crumble, bro. They fall apart. Yeah. Um, it's sad to see. Now, you mentioned Saju, mm -hmm. right, last week. But before I give you some praise, I'm going to give me some praise. <laughs> because right. when I was watching this game um, in the first few minutes, I sent you a voice note. And this is what it said. Bear in mind... It was Monday and I was drunk <laughs> and I just got home. It was nil-nil and I sent Jake this voice recording. Call me whatever you want to call me. I get the feeling that tonight will be Cremonese's first victory. And it's away against ninth place Torino. I think Torino can lose a game like this, man. I really think they can. They're so random. They're so random. And this is a game they can lose. They can lose it. I think they will drop points, Ostia. They're capable of losing. Wow. Thank you for sharing those voice notes where you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you were wrong. This is the first victory. <laughs> but but uh, to be fair, I did say they will drop points. Okay, and then I said that they'll probably lose. Yeah. But Cremonese could have gotten it done, man. Yeah. They could have got it done in this game. And I genuinely think that this was their one opportunity to win a Serie A game. <laughs> they won't win a single game. Now they no, miss as their if, as if, as if. Yeah, they'll win a game? Yes, they'll win a they'll game. win a game in Serie A this season. Okay. You want to bet some cash? I'm not going to bet. Okay. I'm not going to bet. No, they'll win a game for sure. It'd be tragic if they don't win a game. Okay. They'll win a game. I really don't think they will. Now let's move on to you, bro. <laughs> Last week, you pointed out 23-year-old Milan youth product Saju, who has now scored his first Serie A goal for Cremonese and had a good performance. More of this to come and have Cremonese found their talisman. So, uh, more of this to come, most certainly. Have Cremonese found their talisman? No, they have found a talisman. Mm. And I think he will be bouncing around at a few clubs. You know, he'll do the rounds. Newly promoted team comes up, maybe he'll go there. Unless, you know, the likes of like Motta at Bologna scout him and he's like, I mm. want him as my as my striker. You know, or the likes of Torino, they're like, listen, we don't have a striker. Why not bring in this guy mm. um, for the future? It's a good investment. And he looks good, man. Saju looks very good. I think he was the best player on the pitch for Cremonese for me. Yeah, I think so, man. I think so. Well, there was like, they did really have a good game in this game. Mm-hmm. I think Torino allowed them to play their game quite a bit. Torino tend to do that, man. Torino, you give them a good opportunity and sometimes they simply don't take it mm-hmm. when they're off. And yeah. in this game, I do think they were a bit off. Now, I know that Juric um, praised their performance yes, in this yes, game. Yes. I would praise their spirit mm-hmm. and I would praise how they got back into the game. But I think at no point should they have found themselves at home down to one against Cremonese. Yeah. Um, no, they, they they definitely shouldn't have. And this is the thing, right? You have two. One, this is this applies more for to Italiano than to Urich. My point is that you have two managers who at the same time kind of blew up, right? Mm-hmm. Italiano and Urich. Everyone talking about them. They were two um, hot managers at yes. the time. Italiano um, has dipped. Way more than Juric has dipped, in my opinion, of course. I think Juric, yes. what he has available at Torino, has has had a pretty good season, to be honest. Mm. Um, Italiano, on the other hand, has has dipped and he's not uh, playing as impressively as he used no. to. No, no. You're absolutely right, man. And, and Torino, however, the, despite obviously Juric still being a fantastic manager and having a good season, even though, you know, they, they lost players like Belotti and they weren't replaced... They lost players like Bremer, who wasn't replaced either. And obviously there was that great falling out. We all thought Juric was leaving. Mm-hmm. Yes, I still think Juric will leave at some point Same. because, you know, he, he hates lack of motivation coming from the board. And lack, lack of, of ambition and yeah. investment. Exactly. Um, do you think that this season Torino deserve to be fighting for that conference league spot? Because right now, that's pretty much what they have their eyes on. They're only one point behind Juve, who are in that slot, and mm-hmm. Bologna. Um, I definitely think they'll they'll keep up the fight. Um, Juric believes in his men. Um, they they have a bit of depth. They found avenues for scoring. That was the biggest problem. They didn't have anyone to score. And nowadays, you know, Karamoch can get you the goal. He's, he's shown to be quite clinical. Sanabria is always good, especially coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and even that guy, what's his name? The... Sep, Sek, Sek, yeah, Demba Sek, Sek. Demba yeah, Sek. yeah, yeah, Demba he's, Sek. he's all right up front too. Yeah, but they still need. I, I feel like they need a striker, yeah, a like one. a number nine. A you know one. what yes, I mean? Yes, I, yes. I, I do want to see 
Sanabria alongside Marantruk behind the striker. Same. Because I think Sanabria is great over there and Sanabria is good, man. Sanabria is very he's good. He's a nifty little player. Yeah, but Torino find themselves in ninth place on 31 points. Like I said, they're only one point behind Juve and Bologna, whilst Cremonese are still in last, just on nine points. Is this the last game? This is the last game, sir. The last game we're going to be covering is a Tuscan derby between Fiorentina and Empoli, which ended 1-1. We're just talking about Italiano and how he's been a little bit disappointing this year. Um, Unfortunately, they cannot carry out their European form to Italy because they have been killing it in the the Conference League. They've been very good. Terracciano was in goal for Fiorentina with Terzic as left back, Venuti as right back, and Martinez Quarta and Milinkovic playing as a centre back partnership. Mandragora, Amrabat, and Barak were in the middle with Saponara out on the left, Nico Gonzalez on the right, and Jovic up front. I did say Saponara would score this week, he did not. <laughs> Vicario played in goal for Empoli as they lined up their 4 3 1 2 formation with Ebuehi on the right, Kakace on the left, Luperto and Ismaili in the middle with Akpa, Akpro, Marin, and Bandinelli playing in the midfield three, Baldanzi playing behind. Kambiagi and Caputo. It all kicked off in the 28th minute when Amrabat lost possession very cheaply and Baldanzi played a solid pass to Caputo who laid it off to Kambiagi who smashed it home. Those three for Empoli have been very solid. Yeah, man. And it's crazy to see, you know, um, the likes of Destro over there who and and then you see Kambiagi is the one who explodes exactly you know, he's not even getting a sniff at yeah. the moment man not even a sniff I think he might be injured in fact I'm not, mm. I'm not even sure I haven't seen him in ages hey. um, Bandinelli later on had a goal line clearance it was an amazing goal line clearance and then at the end of the game in the 85th minute the guy who was brought on in the in the conference league and scored a brace Arthur Cabral managed to score after Dodo charged down the right hand side whipped in a cross it came off the crossbar and Cabral was there to head it home instinctively um, Fiorentina got close to actually taking all three points as they created many an opportunity towards the end of the game but once again they just lacked that final product they just struggled to get these shots off Yeah, and for me it's simply because, bro, their play style is so predictable. Okay, so on the right, you have Nico Gonzalez and Dodo and Venuti who are just going to go direct. And then mm-hmm. on the left, you have Saponara who's going to cut inside. And mm-hmm. no matter who you play from these wingers, it's always the same system. And they hardly ever... So all you have to do is block the left from shooting, block the right from crossing. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Almost. It's, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. But easier said than done. There are certain players that have, for example, you know, Insigne, Saponara. I think the prime example of this would be Alex Del Piero and Arjen Robin, who you know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And they still manage to do it because they're so fucking good at it. Yes. Um, I'm not saying Saponara and Gonzalez are on Del Piero and, and Arjen Robin level, um, but they are very good at what they do. Now, the problem to me lies in that striker, because mm-hmm. to me, there is a lack of understanding between Jovic and those two players. Now, I heard Thierry Henry speak recently. What a pundit, by the He's way. He's great. I love, one I love of the, the way he speaks, yes. One of the best. And he said that he, as a striker, the reason he was so good is because he understood his teammates mm. and he adapted to his teammates. To which Jamie Carragher replied, okay. But don't your teammates have to adapt to you? Prime example being Haaland right now. Mm. They play for Haaland. And they, they just serve Holland and serve mm-hmm. Holland. I think Jovic does essentially 
I think Fiorentina and Jovic do none of those things. <laughs> so I think Jovic hasn't gotten used to, through no fault of his own, but he still hasn't yet gotten used to Saponara, Gonzalez, mm. Barak, Amrabat, Mandrago, anyone. Anyone really. And I don't think that any of his teammates make any effort to play through his strengths. I think Saponara does what Saponara does. Gonzalez does what Gonzalez does. And he's fucking constantly going for goal. And he's super direct. And he never ever helps Jovic in that mm. department. And I think they're having a bit of an identity crisis for that mm. reason. Last year, they had Vlaovic, who everyone was playing for him. Yes, Everyone's like, no matter what, get the ball in the middle and play the ball to him. Play the ball slightly in front of him. He has the pace. He has the power. He has the strength. He'll get there. He'll outpace everyone. He'll finish. Similar mm. to Ossiman, yeah. kind of. Now they have an in-the-box pure number nine in Jovic. Who's not even that strong or tall. He's no. a poacher almost more than anything else. Uh, an opportunistic striker. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you look at the... He, he does have these clever players around him, as you mentioned, like like Saponara, for example. We all know yeah. Vlavish nicknamed him El Professore del Calcio because he was so good at reading the game and playing the ball exactly where you want it. So I do think that you're absolutely right. And maybe it's a case of Jovic not playing to the strength of his team. Um, I currently think Cabral is better and deserves to be starting, at the moment at least. I think so. And Cabral in that sense, so Cabral and Piontek were in to replace... Vlaovic mm-hmm. they rotated a lot and Piontek was getting more minutes than Cabral Cabral had a couple of injuries as well and then after Piontek was offloaded to Salernitana they brought in Jovic and Jovic instantly because of his name and because of his previous mm-hmm. record not even at, at Real because he had a terrible record at Real but before that at Frankfurt he got the nod instantly it doesn't matter how he's playing it doesn't matter how Cabral is playing even though he comes in and he gives them that fucking fire up front that Jovic simply doesn't give them that work rate and and, uh, fucking that physicality that pace as well he actually has traits to him unlike Jovic Mm -hmm. Um, and it's weird to me bro that they show so much faith in in Jovic they must really have a lot of faith in him because when Saponara is not performing they don't play him he doesn't play him Italiano. Mm-hmm. When Gonzalez isn't performing, he doesn't play him. He is no stranger to dropping players, bro. Mm-hmm. No stranger. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he doesn't do that with Jovic at all. He's always in that starting It, it must be the CV, right? It ha- or, bro, he sees something in training that makes him say one day he's just going to get yeah. a couple of goals and he's going he's gonna to be the next Vlaovic for us. Because then you have the, the red hot Cabral, man. He, he keeps benching him, right? You're right. You're absolutely yeah. spot on, bro. But interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely is interesting. So that is it for Fiorentina. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> mostly now, shit. Mostly shit uh, this season. We'll take a look at Empoli, who once again played a very good game. Um, I think they're, they'll be more than happy at the moment with the way their season has gone. Um, at this point, what is Empoli's objective? I think Empoli's objective right now, which I don't think was their objective at the start of the season, is a top 10 finish. Yes. Now they're on 29 points. One, they're one point behind Udinese and they certainly can do it, especially if they keep this form up. I think it is more than form. I think they're actually a very, very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt that they're doing well this season and that they're safe this season. My fear is next year. And the reason I say that is I'm scared they're going to become a feeder club because the amount of talent that they have in their team 
when you look at, for example, one second, I lost the lineup. They have, for example, Marin, mm-hmm. fantastic center midfielder, fantastic center mm-hmm. midfielder. He could play for, for example, I don't know, Fiorentina. He could go there. If, if Amrabat leaves, Marin mm-hmm. can take that spot easily. True. Marin can rotate at Lazio. He can rotate at Atalanta. Mm-hmm. He's a great, great player. Yeah, they he's then, definitely play better than Cataldi. Exactly. They then have Baldanzi, yes. Bandinelli. Baldanzi, one of the hottest Italian talents at the moment. Exactly. Ebuehi, Cambiaghi. They have... Vicario. Vicario, of course, Vicario. They have Parisi. They have Luperto. And a lot of these people can get nicked. And I think they will get nicked. And I think we'll see Empoli start to struggle again. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm just surprised at the talent they managed to bring in and, and how, how well they seem to adapt to the systems. And it has really created a unit over here. Akpa Akpro has come in. I've never seen him play this well before. It's true. It's <laughs> at true. All. Like he's, he's playing super football. Um, Parisi at this point pushing up so much. Like granted, the, there was potential. And I remember seeing him playing against... Um, Teo Hernandez yeah. was on the same wing as Teo Hernandez and he yeah. gave him a very hard time and this was like two years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great goalkeeper as well we saw that last but, yeah. <laughs> certo. <laughs> <laughs> but yes you are right um, they certainly have a lot of talent and um, players the teams are going to be raiding them but let's see if they manage to continue to replace these people ever so adequately um, we'll see about Amrabat by the way going his form has dipped after the World Cup a little doesn't bit doesn't matter doesn't matter he had a great World Cup so they'll, yeah. they'll pay fucking 50 million for him it's 40 true. million for him the Homes Rodriguez effect exactly okay um, I'm going to tell you where they stand and then we're going to fuck off bro <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch the second half. I can't watch the second half. We're in good time. Yeah, I'm I'm missing Love Island movie night. Movie night is always meant, and you know this, bro. You know it's meant. Look, I I watched Love Island last season. I enjoyed it, but to be honest, I'm never watching it again. Fair enough. You become a fucking sausage. Oh after man, you become it, man. A, your brain becomes mush. Mm-hmm. So uh, because because first they were hitting it off together, and then he went and he was chatting up that leg. Oh, but we all deserve to let our brains rot. Sometimes it's not all about reading books and bettering ourselves. Sometimes we just need to watch shit, man. <laughs> you know what I mean Certo <laughs> So <laughs> This whole time I've been looking for the league table <laughs> Empoli in the sit in 12th with 28 points While Fiorentina sit in 14th with 25 points That's it for today brother That's it Thank you very much for listening everyone Brother it was a joy as always I love having these chats with you um, here, I particularly I prefer recording on Tuesday it has to be said when the games are fresher fresher to the to the brain yeah but this does give us the opportunity to actually watch the Champions League game that we wanted to watch you know I mean at the exactly. end of the day we wanted to watch Napoli in the Champions League granted the game to watch was Liverpool against Real like my uh-huh. god dude Real Mental Are so stubborn Yeah They, they don't give a fuck no. They could be losing to the It's like who cares like, no. We're winning this I heard that Tony Kroos And Luka Modric Their contracts Run out at the end of the season mm. But they both want to retire At Real So they're both gonna Extend it Now With Kroos It's a bit more interesting Because Modric Wants to keep playing Kroos said Look I want to retire at Real I'm either gonna play One more season at Real Or I'll retire At the end of the season I haven't decided yet So mm. watching Kroos retire 
is going to be quite sad. He's a, he's a very, very, very talented player. I think he has been angling himself as a Real Madrid ambassador for a while. He's very big on Twitter. He always backs Florentino Perez and he backs the club. He recently even went as far to say that the Super League is the way forward. It has to happen. Whoa. So basically, you know, hmm. Interesting. a piece of shit. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Definitely Valverde has... The perfect mentors over there. He's going to be a fucking top for player. Sure, for sure. And, and Real, bro, just have, since they lost Ramos, Marcelo, um, Casillas a bit earlier, Raul earlier, they have those three in Kroos, Modric and Benzema that are literally the, the three daddies of the team, the three yeah. veterans. They won all those Champions Leagues three together. The three musketeers, the three leaders yeah. who would die for the club, man. It's That's nice, true. huh? They're, they're top. They're very good. It's nice. Maybe one day Calabria Antonali will be like that. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Thank you guys very much for listening. We've been Serie A Spotlight. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter if you want to stay up to date with the happenings of Serie A and give us a rating wherever you listen. We obviously tell you to give us five stars, but be honest and give us five stars. So thank <laughs> you. We'll see you all next Wednesday.